Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to be with you. Thanks for your support and encouragement. I love hearing from my listeners and sharing in their journey. And I have to admit, I thought when this COVID crisis emerged in March, I thought and hoped, I suppose, it might be over sooner rather than later. But it's still dominating news. It's still creating havoc and heartache. It's still causing untold damage to our economies. And it's still preventing the vast majority of us from travelling to Europe to undertake pilgrimage. George Harrison saying, all things must pass. I certainly carry that hope and sentiment in my heart. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, and I was introduced to the Camino many years ago via Shirley MacLaine's book, The Camino. I was at Mum's, running my fingers across the books that had lined the library in our home since I was a boy. The Camino was released in 2000, so it was a relatively new addition to Mum's collection. I read it in a day. Then in 2010, I lost a younger brother suddenly and found myself back at Mum's looking at the same books. The Camino leapt out at me again, and I said to my wife, I'd like to do that walk one day. Well, I eventually stepped onto the Camino at Sahun in 2016, a life-changing moment. I don't think I've ever told that story, but I flew from Sydney to Madrid and stayed at The Hat, a budget hotel in the heart of the old city, which I highly recommend. From there, I took a train to Leon and another train to Sahun, which is exactly halfway across the Camino Francaise. The train ride from Sahun to Leon is a couple of hours, and I sat beside a nun in full degree, of habit. The porter wandered by and offered us disposable headphones to listen to the programs offered on the in-train audio system. I picked a pair from the box. The nun took a handful and winked at me. Well, as the train approached Sahun, I noticed she was reaching for a huge bag on the luggage shelf and I grabbed it for her and said, I'll carry it. And she thanked me and we stepped off the train. Well, I didn't know where the Camino began. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to expect. The nun took my hand and led me down the stairs onto the street. She and I walked up the narrow lane toward the old part of the town. The bullring sits atop the rise. The municipal albergue is a short walk down the hill, and pilgrims who have stayed at the municipal albergue will know that you pull a rope to open the huge timber door. I was staying at the Benedictine convent, and the nun pointed to a car, thanked me for carrying her bag. And I said in English, Sister, would you be able to point me toward the Camino? She smiled and said, You are walking the Camino. There, on the side of the building, a yellow arrow. I'd arrived. To say it was a moment that changed my life would be an understatement. Indeed, that moment has changed many lives. That night, I was standing on the altar at the chapel in the convent, awaiting a blessing, and the nuns were singing vespers. Kings of old were entombed amongst the pews, their stone sepulchre covered in tapestry. I glimpsed across to the nuns, and there was my train companion smiling at me. The priest asked us all a question in Spanish, and I said, Daniel. Then the person beside me said, the United States. The person beside them said, Wales. <laughs> Because he wasn't asking us our names. (laughs) He gave us each a small card with a pilgrim's blessing. I actually carried that card with me every day 
until I had my wallet stolen two days before I went to the United States back in March this year. That's a story for another day. But my quote this week is from the great songwriter, philanthropist, performer and musical genius Dolly Parton. The way I see it, if you want the rainbow, you have to put up with the rain. My guest this week is a British pilgrim, Caroline Rutley Frayne. Welcome, pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. It's lovely to talk to you. Let's get straight to your story. It's a story of inspiration and great triumph. You lost a leg and an arm in a motorcycle accident. Take us back to that day. Oh, yeah, that was a that's a tough day. It was a. I was sharing a ride with my husband, which we don't normally do because my bike was in for repairs. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a rainy day and we were stuck behind a, a bus. So we were determined to get past that so we could just have some clear road. And uh, so we passed that and uh, we approached a blind corner and a car decided to overtake from the opposite direction just as we were about to hit that corner. So, yeah, we had nowhere to go, really. We were faced with two cars coming in our direction, so we did our best to swerve out of the way. But uh, I, I was thrown from the bike, but my lovely husband, Simon, didn't get thrown, and he was dragged down the side of the car, and he passed away on the road. And I... So, that yeah, that's the start of the story, really. It is indeed the start of the story, you had three children at the time. Yes, three children and one grandchild, which is <laughs> 39, quite a, quite a feat. <laughs> yeah, it is, actually, yeah, it is yeah. a feat. And it was 2008. That's correct, yes. That's, have you, have was, you made peace in your heart with what happened, do you think? Uh, for the most part, yes, and I've... My life is completely different to how it was before before the accident. So many things are different for me now. And I don't know if I've, I'm 100% at peace with it because my heart does still ache mm. for my husband. But for the most part, yes. <laughs> she yeah. says yes. Yeah, it is, a, it is a very reserved and pensive yes. And, and we'll get to that, actually. Yeah. We'll talk about that because that's a really important part of your story, the fact that you've been able to move on and, 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 and head off on a different journey. But I read a tribute to you in a review of some of the charity work that you did, and it said Caroline, yeah. is, Caroline is rebuilding her life with a positive attitude that impresses everyone she meets. So where did you find the strength to beat those odds? I had I had quite a rough childhood and so and um, early adulthood. So I I grew quite a lot of strength from that. Um, and my focus has always been really protecting my children. So uh, once I knew that I'd lost Simon, I was quite in a critical situation. And really, what pulled me through was my children. So that's always been my drive, really. And I just. I just feel that, like, your children learn from you. So I try, that's my drive, really, try to be a a positive influence. So I just, I couldn't give up. I had to move forward for them. Yeah. Am I right in saying you and Simon were on your way 
to volunteer at a local wildlife trust when the accident occurred? Well, we we were actually staff at the Wildlife Trust, but the Wildlife Trust is a charity. Yeah. So that's that's almost yeah. Yeah. So giving back has always been part of your story. I think it has really. Yeah. I mean, we used to volunteer for an off-road bike club, um, so we did do. Yeah, we did give a lot of our time. Yeah. Well, where does that come from? Yeah. Do you think you mentioned earlier at the very start, just a few moments ago, that you you had a tough upbringing. Where does that come from, that desire to give back? Well, that's that's something I've never really pondered on, to be honest. Um, Oh, Dan, you've stumped me on that question. (laughs) I I just think it's in me. I just just think it's a kindness within me that mm, I want to share, maybe. mm, mm, mm. Being a young mum and a young grandmother as well, you, you, you would have. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound wrong. I'm a young grandfather. I was a grandfather at 46. So, so we're yes. kind of kindred spirits, and we'll talk about more of our kindred spiritry in a moment. Um, but okay, yeah, it took years to recover from the accident because you lost a yeah. leg, you lost an arm, and and I, I get, that is a massive journey. Uh, in itself, yeah. it was a Camino of sorts, wasn't it? It was really, and I think that's why I connect so much with the Camino. For me, it's um, I'm not a, a hugely um, I'm not hugely into religion, sure. And it's more about connecting with myself, um, and so the journey of recovery, I, I do think about that quite a lot when I'm walking actually so the the two do connect very well and there's not just a physical recovery there's a spiritual recovery as well even though you may not necessarily consider yourself to be religious or spiritual yeah yeah oh no I completely agree and um I think losing my losing my husband was the toughest part for me initially and uh so it's it's finding a way forward for myself uh, emotionally, is, is that's another journey as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't imagine, to be honest, what it's like to lose the love of one's life in an instant. Oh, yeah. It's uh, when if if it was a divorce or you know something, if that's the way that a relationship ended. The love ends somewhere along those lines because if 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 he'd left me, my love would have ended for him because he left me. But because he was taken from me and it was neither of our fault, the love never dies, and that's the hardest part for me. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm a mad researcher, <laughs> and I was on your Facebook page. I saw your daughter's Facebook profile said, "When you love someone, they never leave." They're always with you. Yeah, yeah. That's it, isn't it? That sums it up perfectly. That's it. That is, that is it. Yeah, yeah. They it ne- is. Yeah, they never. They <laughs> can't never get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get rid of him. <laughs> so, 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 I mentioned that the recovery was a camino of sorts because obviously you were in hospital for a long time. There was a lot of recuperation and 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 a lot of help and people sort of a lot of surgery as well 
But yeah. But the great story is that you found a way of moving forward via what, and if I get this wrong, please forgive me, Caroline, Osseo integration? Is yes, that, is in that, your wonderful country. Well, that's right. It was Australia. So tell us that story. Yeah. And, and But before we get to Osseo integration and Australia, tell us about the hardship initially of sort of overcoming the loss of the leg and trying to get back on your feet, if I can use that analogy. Very good. Yes, <laughs> Initially, it was really tough. I spent um, about six months in a wheelchair, and I was living in a terraced two-story house. So you can imagine that it was that was quite difficult. Um, but I really, I just, I hated being in that chair. And so for me, the first drive was just to be able to stand on my own two feet. And so I started with um, in in England. We've got the National Health Service, and they provide prosthetics for free um so i started down that route but i never really got on with them because they they couldn't provide the more advanced prosthetics so i was very wobbly and i kept falling over and i although i was pleased to be a sort of walking i never really achieved the walking that i was hoping for and with me if i can walk three steps no, that's not good enough now, I want to walk four. And so I, there's always the drive to do better. So I, I decided I would go private um, to a company called Dorset Orthopaedics and they provided me with a better prosthetic. But it was, I discovered that the, I got the better prosthetic, but I was still struggling to walk very far because the problem then became the attachment to my body, which was a, the traditional socket and with the socket, you kind of sit into it, so it's not really connected to your body. And so you're kind of, every time you're walking, you're sitting into it. And, and I just found that really uncomfortable. And I was, I, I, start, I hit the mile marker, but that wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> I wanted to go further. And so I, do, I did some research, and, and the research took me to a conference in America, in uh, Tucson, and... The Osseo Integration of Australia, the company was there. And I was just blown away because there were guys there who had these titanium rods coming out of their body with their prosthetic attached. I'm like, whoa, what is that? And I was, it was just amazing that they could uh, detach their prosthetics in seconds. And they were telling me how far they could walk. And, you know, there was no pain. There were no sores. And it was just, it was mind-blowing for me. So I did a bit of research on that. And in three months, I was on a plane to Australia to, <laughs> to get osseo myself. So osseo Crazy integration, time. just explain to us what that exactly means. So osseo integration is, it's uh, on, on me, they drill into your femur. So right, in, they, and they make a hole in the, right up through your femur, almost to your hip. And they put in a titanium rod which is honeycomb in structure goodness so that so that your body grows into the rod and that's the, that's what osseo integration means it's what? the integration of the pole to your body yeah so just take us through the uh, the uh, it's incredible for me to think you've lost the leg at the roundabout the knee you didn't like the yeah. you didn't like the socket in the pouch or the the, the, the prosthetic leg, you decided then to go 
a much different path and they drilled up into the bone itself. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But it changed your life, didn't it? It changed your life. Oh, my goodness, because now I I have the titanium rod right up through my femur. It comes out uh, about an inch or two, and then I connect my prosthetic. Um, So now my prosthetic is connected to my skeleton. So I'm not sitting into it. It's now part of me. Wow. So now, (laughs) I know, it's crazy, and the... It was about five days after the operation that I was allowed to stand up for the first time. And it was the weirdest sensation because I'm just stood there going, oh, my God, I am just standing. I'm standing because before when I stood up, I was balancing. But I was just standing and I was just so crazy. So now, because it's part of me, I can walk as far as my fitness will allow rather than how far before I get sore. It's complete life-changing, completely life-changing. Are you in the clear now? Do you need ongoing support or is, or is it sort of like a set and forget? It's, it's now. It's, it's like your car. Occasionally my leg has to go in for a service. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's hilarious. That's seriously true. Every once a year my leg goes in for service and that's about the only thing that I I, – I used to be at my prosthetic centre – five, six times a year. Now they see me once a year and that's if I go in for the service. That's that's really it. I've yeah. seen footage of you walking and you walk effortlessly. Yeah. What a great yeah. relief that must have been for you. Oh my goodness me. I after the operation my surgeon said, right, that's you're all you're all clear, you're all sorted. Within a year you'll be walking ten K and I'm like, oh you are just kidding me. There is no way that's going to happen. But, yes, uh, five months later I did 10K. And then I was like, oh, I can do 10K. I think I could probably do more than that. <laughs> so I, um, I set myself a challenge to walk the whole of the southwest coast path in England, which is uh, 630 miles. So, no. <laughs> so I did that the next year uh, in 69 walks. Goodness. I'm crazy. That's a thousand Ks. That's a thousand kilometers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, that was for charity. I, I that, thought I'd, I'd better do it for charity because otherwise I might <laughs> give up on the idea because it is the roughest terrain. I mean, honestly, the, it makes the Camino, Camino look like a, a freeway. <laughs> the Southwest Coast Path is just is that right? Insane. So that. So that it's 680 insane. miles, where does it go from, Caroline? Where does it start and where does it finish? So it's, 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 it's around the coast, really, of Devon and Cornwall, and it does go a little bit into Somerset, but it starts um, in north Somerset. Um, if you know England at all, it's kind of down on the foot, mm. and it goes all the way down to Land's End in Cornwall, then around the bottom, back up along the coast of Cornwall, Devon, and then it ends in a place called Pool in well, actually Pool is in Dorset. Anyway, Somerset. So yeah, it basically does the whole of the tip down the bottom left of England. And one of the great it's quite things a walk. Oh, it sounds a great <laughs> but when you said you did it in sixty-nine walks, does that mean you it's not like a Camino. You're not staying each night. You're not staying at a pub and getting up the next day and walking the next day. 
you, you can do that, but because I'm local, it's for me the coast is only half an hour away. Right. So it made sense just to, I'd go do a walk and come home. But uh, for Cornwall, I I stayed. I rented a house and stayed for three weeks. And and again, we just drove to the start of each section and used public transport. But some people do. They'll backpack it all the way around camp, stay in hotels. So you can do it like a Camino. But for, for me as a local, there was there was no need. Yeah, 1,000K. Yeah, yeah, 1,000K is at 680 <laughs> miles. How long did that take you? So um, I did it over throughout – 90, no, 2017 I did it, 2017. But I didn't start till February. I took August off and went and did a Camino just for a break. <laughs> and then <laughs> I finished in October. Right. So, yeah. Oh, because yeah. I, I had people, I always had someone walk with me and so people have got the live. So it was, we tried, I tried to aim for uh, three a week. So right. which worked out quite well, yeah. So we this is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago. Why don't you tell us about right. your Camino journey? Okay. Well, I, I decided to take August off of my Southwest Coast Path walk because it's quite busy with tourists. And, um, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? So I started to look at walks elsewhere. And I just came across this one just from a Google search, really. And so my first ever Camino, I actually did through a company, uh, which was the, the, the French tourist route from Saria. And uh, so they booked it all up for me. And I said, they said, do you want easy, moderate or hard? And I, I had no clue what the Camino was like. Mm. So I said, easy, please. So <laughs> my first walk was uh, 18K. And uh, I got there by lunchtime, and I didn't even realize I'd got to where I was stopping. And I, I, sat, I was having some lunch, and I looked at the menu, and I'm like, that looks familiar. I looked at my paperwork, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm already at the place I'm staying. <laughs> so I learned quite quickly that 18K was probably too short for me. <laughs> and then, yeah. So I, I, I organize it myself now. Uh, the, the next one I went on, I persuaded my friend to go with me. And um, because, of, because of my prosthetic, it's, it's finely balanced for weight. So I'm not allowed to carry too much weight. So I have right. to use the, I have to use the uh, service that moves your bag for you. Sure. Um, my friend says that's a cop-out. Oh, forget <laughs> she, it. But, but she, she sticks her bag in as well. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> what's your excuse? <laughs> um, so I, I really, I have to pre-book where I'm staying uh, each night. So it's it's a operation in itself before I go and get all that sorted. I, I use quite a lot of resources online to look at what the terrain might be or what the climbs are going to be like to work out how far I'm going to walk. And I, I sort of learned that from the Southwest Coast Path. So, so I tend to average on about 25K a day, unless there's a stupid amount of hills, and then we'll try and cut it to 20. So that's really what we do. 
you know, the, the Camino is famous for the energy this, and people talk about it changing their lives. And indeed, I have said many times here on this podcast that changed my life. It was an incredible experience for me. I've done two Caminos. Did you feel that? Oh, I'm addicted. <laughs> my, my first one was great for my headspace. And, and then I kept bumping into different people. And I've, I met a lady who was on a journey because she'd lost her husband the year before. And it was it's just so coincidental how we met. And then every night we were staying in the same place, which was really bizarre because she mm. had booked hers independently. And... Now, the only time she lives in America, I'm in the UK, the only time I see her is when we go to Spain <laughs> to do the Camino, which is really lovely. So, and it, so that, was, that was just, I loved that, that I met her and I, I was able to share my stories with her and she felt that I was really able to help her. And it's meeting people along the way like that that I find really important. It's really a big part of my Camino journey. Yeah, yeah. If if I were to ask you for a favourite place on the Camino, where where would you say? Oh, oh, that's really difficult, actually, it's because this is all so lovely. Yeah, I mean, I can I can tell you my favourite walk is is uh, the Portuguese coastal. Oh, that's my favourite, and because it involves inland as well, so it's it's you've got. It's just got everything going on with it because I, I'm really drawn to the ocean. So I, I love walking along the boardwalks and the ocean's right there. But then you go inland and there's not many places to stop and it's quite rural. So I really like that too. It's just the whole big freedom feeling and I don't know. I, I don't think I could I don't think I could say one place. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. So how many caminos have you done? Uh, well, I've done six, and I'm going in three weeks, so that'll be my seventh. Wow! Wait a minute. Oh, see, we're in Australia. We can't leave. I know. Are you? I'm only two hours away from it. Yeah. <laughs> so, what so are you doing? Lovely. Tell us what you're doing. Oh, I'm going to do the Portuguese one again because I just love it so much. Right. So, and I'm going to slightly vary it. I'm going to um, I'm going up so far, and then I'm going to cut across to Valencia and stay there for a day because I have, I've walked through there and I thought it was quite pretty, but I didn't have time to really explore it. So I'm going to cut across, stay in Valencia and then head up through Tui and on up to Santiago that way. So I'm, I'm getting the best of both worlds, really. Fantastic. Hey, you mentioned your grandchildren and you were a young grandmother. What do they make, yeah. what do they make of their super nan? My oldest grandson thinks that I'm famous. <laughs> well, you <laughs> <Like>, are. <laughs> I'm infamous. I don't know about it. <laughs> but he's like, oh, Nan, you've had all these hits on YouTube. And, oh, you're, oh you're, doing, you're going walking again. Where are you walking this time? Is there going to be a video? So he loves sitting down and watching my escapades or listening to, yeah, he's very, very proud of me. The others are, are a bit younger, so they're, they're sort of not really aware, but he's he's 12 and he's like, Fully loves it. <laughs> That's what his man is doing. Yeah. That's great. You know, you're not mucking around. You're you're doing lots of long distance walking and indeed preparation for it. But I read somewhere you said 
in relation to what's happened in your life. You can't change what's happened, so you can only try to be the best that you can be. And I've never stopped yeah. looking for better. That's true. Are you, that is true. Yeah. Um, are you always trying to set goals or will the day come when you say, you know what, I think I've done enough? When I was younger, I never had any goals and I found that I was wandering aimlessly and it, and it led me down the wrong path. So I think that's that helps in me being determined to have goals. I think maybe when I'm 80, I might go, right, that's enough now, Caroline. <laughs> Put your feet up. <laughs> but no, yeah, goal, I think goal setting is really important. It doesn't have to be a big one. It might be like, well, in an hour I'll make myself a cup of tea. But, you know, I, I just think it's important to always be that a little bit driven, really, just to keep you moving forward. Does it take... Does that take focus? Do you have to keep thinking of that or is that just part of who you are now? I think it is part of who I am. I think it's kind of organically come to me. So yeah. I'll have some days where I'm like, I'm super bored. So I'll just drag myself down the supermarket just for a wander over something to do. But yeah, it does. It does come naturally. And things seem to just come my way now, which is, um, I do. I th- somebody said to me, you know, if you, if you are open to one thing, another thing will happen. And that seems to be the way. So, yeah, I try to be open to experiences. The, the Camino you mentioned earlier um, is now a big part of your life and, and you love the energy of the, of the experience and the journey and the pilgrimage. Um, how does it manifest itself in your day-to-day life? You know, if you're just, as you say, going down to the supermarket, what does Caroline the Pilgrim do differently than perhaps before? I've got two little doggies who, when you look at them, you think they, well, they don't need to be walked very far, but we do a six-mile walk every day. So they they are my little pilgrim friends. Um, (laughs) Yeah, throughout lockdown, I made sure that I did uh, 10K every day. And and that was because I knew that I was going to the Camino. So that was, it it was important for me to keep my fitness up. But now, because I've I've done that, now it's it's just like the dogs are looking at me now going, are we going then or what? (laughs) (laughs) I should t- yeah. I should tell our listeners that um, I had to edit out a moment ago um, the dogs <laughs> yeah. welcoming or giving their their daily welcome to the postman. Um, That's right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's quite the ferocious welcome, I have to say. But I, I, well, actually, they, all they want is the little treat that the postman pops through the door, and I've, I've asked them to stop doing it, but. Clearly, they they're enjoying having their fingers nibbled. <laughs> <laughs> How lovely! But, you but know, the treat through. Yeah, you're setting yourself goals. Um, a young grandma. Um, something has happened to you at your age that has been catastrophic. Change of your life. But I read somewhere that one of the walks you did, and indeed, I think it was the walk around the south of Great Britain. You were raising funds for Self Harm UK. You'd have to forgive me, Caroline. I don't know much about self-harm. What can you tell me? 
Self-harm is a form of expression when you... So I used to self-harm myself and because bad things were happening to me and I had no way of expressing it. So self-harming is, is a way of controlling that. And the hurt that you put on yourself is a way of releasing the hurt that's inside of you, if that makes sense. So, it, yeah, it's, it's like a form of relief from the the hurt that you're feeling inside. And, and it does sound like a weird way of doing no, it. No, but it, no, no, yeah. I'm certain. I'm certain that that manifests itself in people drinking and people taking drugs and people doing all sorts oh, of things. Absolutely. I'm certain yeah. that that's a, a reflection of what's going on inside. Indeed, I heard just this week um, somebody talking about tattoos and, and they can often be a reflection of what people are feeling inside a reflection of what yeah. their internal self. But but I just wondered um, about self-harm, um, why you decided to walk to raise funds and to raise awareness of it. You mentioned that you had experienced it yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I just, I, I felt like it was important to, to raise awareness because if if you've never experienced it yourself, it's, it's very hard to understand. Very. And so, uh, and, and I wanted an awareness brought that if somebody is cutting themselves or if they are uh, taking drugs or drinking too much alcohol, there is a problem and that's why they're self-harming. And we need to understand that people need help and that, that people who have gone to the extreme of self-harming have gone past the position of being able to ask for help and so it's important for for us to be aware that there may be a problem that we could intervene with, and and, and even then, sometimes people who are self harming don't even want that intervention. But it's just being aware as a society that there are reasons behind self harming. Yeah, we. I, I spoke to Heiner Olsen last week um, on the podcast, and he had suffered from chronic anxiety. And I said to him, "What exactly does that mean? I don't understand. What? How can you ex- can you explain anxiety anxiety to me?" And he said, "Oh, it's being frightened of tomorrow." Mm. And I thought, "Oh my gosh!" He, not only did he sum it up so perfectly. He obviously had done so much thinking about what it is and what it meant to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 that, and that, I think, is part of the message that I want to get out of talking to you um, this week because um, you have been through an incredibly, extraordinarily life-changing experience. But here you are laughing and you've got your dogs at your feet and you 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 you've got on with life that's just a, yeah. such an extraordinary triumph and and i think that you know you ought to be immensely proud of what you've done do you feel that Thank you. do you feel that or do you just say i'm just me and I that's do. and that's and that's what's the the cards that i've been dealt no i do feel proud of myself because i know that that you know it's there, there are two types of person, really, aren't there? And, and you either pick yourself up and carry on or you just sit back and, and say, well, okay, well, that's been dealt to me and, and I'll just 
just give up, you know. And I, I'm not, a, a, I'm not a quitter. So, yeah. <laughs> really, yeah, you know, I can I read a quote to you that's uh, that's I'd really meant to. a lot to me. I'd love you to. Okay, it's from. Oh, thank you. It's from um, Eleanor Roosevelt. So. The, the quote goes, uh, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You're able to say to yourself, I have lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. And that, and that really resonated with me. I read that two years after the accident, and it's a quote that I just keep going back to, so... That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of gone into me as well. That is fantastic. That is just so yeah. wonderful. You, 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 you've also walked to raise funds and awareness of cancer because cancer has touched yes. your life, hasn't it? It has, yeah. My, um, so two members of my family. My dad passed away last year through prostate cancer. So he was we were aware of it when I started the walk. So that that was, and also my daughter, my oldest daughter has, um, also had cancer, but she's clear now, thankfully. Fantastic. You know, it's still, it's still in the background, you know, you think it still can come back, Mm -hmm. but, um, so yes, that's, it was, it was for my dad and my daughter. You know, you and I are kindred spirits in a way. Tell, you, you don't know that I do how heavily I do my research, Caroline. Tell us about... No, right, right, I'm right. becoming quite aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being on surprise, surprise on television. This is your life. <laughs> right? <laughs> Tell us about Sassy. Oh, my little duo. Oh, I absolutely love singing. I um, I started singing back in 1991, and it was I'd separated from my uh, first husband because he was just a really horrible person, and um, I was this, and I was just starting to become a, a whole person. And I met this lady who taught me guitar. Anyway, we started singing together, and we were terrible. And we got switched off on our first gig. No, <laughs> you did not. Five. You did not get turned off. We did. Someone came and switched the power off. And no, I was they like, didn't. Oh they did. And no. the landlord came out, and I'm like, I'm not switching it back on. You're switching it back on. He's like, no, I'm paying you, and you're going home. Oh, <laughs> like, no. oh, my God. I nearly died. I'm on, the, anyway, floor in the, I'm on the floor in the fetal position now, right? Oh. I mean, I, I I never told anybody about that for years, but now I find it quite hilarious. That is funny. we were terrible. I've got to be honest, we were awful. But anyway, time went on and I got better and I took some singing lessons because I felt like if I'm going out charging people money for entertaining them, I ought to be on the singing key. So, um, yeah, so I did that for years. I was in a band for a few years and then Simon and I were a duo for a long time. Um, and then we gave up because we had our daughter, Jessie. And then after the accident, I just stopped singing. I, I felt I lost all my confidence. 
I, th- I thought, who on earth would want to see me on stage entertain them? You know, that's how low I felt about myself for quite mm. a while. Mm. And then about three or four years after the accident, I started to feel more confident. And then I got the osseo and boom, the confidence is right back there. And so this, the lady that I sing with now, she um, approached me and said, oh, you came to an audition with me and then you turned me down. And I'm like, oh, did I? Sorry. <laughs> so, but now we've, we've got together and we do charity gigs. We've done a couple of weddings. I mean, we don't gig an awful lot, a lot because um, I'm, I'm kind of over lugging kit around and setting it up and taking it down. I, I need roadies really now. <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm a bit precious. <laughs> So, but we rehearsed a lot, quite quite a lot in the house, and we've we've done yeah, we've done some stuff. So it's it's a great thing. I love singing. It's so I, it's good for my soul, you know. Yeah. And it's just so so the expression and, and mm. yeah, the energy, love it. It's fantastic. Okay, so your yeah. favorite song to sing? Oh, you see, it's like asking me what my favorite Camino is. It's <laughs> That's really difficult. All right, all right, Actually, all right. at the moment... Yeah, go on. At the moment, though, currently, um, it's it's an oldie. It's um, She's Not There by The Zombies. Oh, great song. I re- yeah. That's why the way she just, looks, the way she comes, the yeah. colour of her hair. That's a great That's song. One, yeah, yeah. It. Okay, yeah. Now, now, wait a second. Love. Now, what about the song that you... If, if we... if Like a ballad. Yeah. You want to sing a ballad. What's, what ballad do you sing really beautifully? Like what Torch song? My, my song is uh, Adele, Make You Feel My Love. Oh, that's fantastic. That's, yeah. Yeah. What a song. But if, if I was singing a song for Simon, it would be Our Arms of the Angel by Sarah Bareilles. That was my song to him. But I can't sing that now because I just can't get through it. Like the tears start coming and the throat closes up and uh, yeah, but that's 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 so beautiful. That's so beautiful, Caroline. All right, now um, the song that gets everybody on the dance floor. Come on, that would be. It's got to be Abba. Abba. We do an Abba medley and uh, yeah, Dancing Queen. People Ah, go crazy for that. Fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you just can't get away from that. Like my my daughter is twenty four. She you, I start singing that and she knows all the words. My mum, she's seventy five. She knows all the words. Yeah. It's like okay, so that's the song that pleases everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do I do like doing modern stuff myself. You know, like yeah. uh, Tones and I, Dance Monkey, and oh, yeah. Feel It Still, and things like that. You know, I, I I do like the modern stuff. I try to do more of that, but it's it's. You play some and people are like, oh, what's that song? So, yeah. It's so just... it's great when an old song comes out that's re-released, like Higher Love. And um, more recently, oh, what's there's, there's another new one out now. Sorry, my brain's gone a bit. But, um, yeah, when, when the older songs are re-released and, and, and they come out in the charts, I'm straight on with those. <laughs> I'm yeah. right, I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm doing that. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you know, a great song is a great song. Um, it doesn't matter when it was released. Um, and That's true. those ABBA songs were written at a whole different level of anything that had been written, written before. Um, Weren't they? You, Weren't they? Yeah, and Bjorn and Benny were really up there with the Beatles in terms of their ability to craft pop music. And 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 when you put on Dancing Queen, 
or you put on Mamma Mia, or or even some of the less less sort of better known songs, like even songs like Loving Me, Loving You. Um, yeah, they're just so perfectly written, perfectly crafted. It's, That's it's, why they just last forever isn't they, it exactly they just amazing exactly amazing songwriters. and that's why the beatles songs will last forever as well because they're so yeah. perfectly crafted and when you get the opportunity to sing those songs for people it's a it's a great yeah. gift it really is look i i know yeah. i i know it's um it's friday morning there and I'm, I'm, i've only got you for a few more minutes um i mentioned earlier that i'd seen your daughter's facebook profile when you love someone they never leave they're always with you you must be i mentioned earlier that your grandchildren and and children must be very proud of you but if your daughter is writing something like that on facebook given the fact that they lost their father in 2008 you must be very proud of them oh i'm so proud of them they've they've all three of them have had their struggles Mm. in different ways and but they've come through them They've become stronger people, and they—they're they're just very—they're very good at reflecting on their dad, but also moving forward with his memories in a positive way. Mm. And so, I hope that I've been a, a good example to them and that, and helped them through. As much as they've been there, they've been strong for me. I think we've we've worked well as a unit. And brought each other through. Mm, how lovely! One, one last question. Actually, two last questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. One. Let me ask you this. Um, this is off the top of my head. You've learned to live with the loss of your limbs. What about learning to live with the loss in your heart? That's that's the hardest one, actually, um, because. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I was having a lovely day, chat, 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 and then my daughter was talking to her boyfriend, and he said, I'm probably going to die before you. And she said, I'll be heartbroken. And, oh, my God, I had to leave the room. I was in floods of tears. And it's so rare that that happens, but it just hit me so hard. And so... I, I just, I've accepted that I will always have that heartache. But at the same time, I'm, I have room in my heart for more love, if that makes sense. Hmm. Well, that could possibly be one of the best answers anyone's ever given me on 185 podcasts. Oh, thank you. What do you make of my quote this week? i now. <laughs> <laughs> What do you make of my quote this week from Dolly Parton? The way I see it, if you want the rainbow, you have to put up with the rain. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, life, life is not a bed of roses. So, no, I like that quote. I like it a lot. I think you're fantastic. Uh, I, oh. I, I don't want to say, oh, my, you've overcome such extraordinary odds. But you have, and you've done it with love and if if I could be so bold as to say you know grandma or I don't even know what you are are you nanny are you grandma are nanny. You, nanny. Yeah, nanny nanny what a super nanny you are 
Thanks, Carolyn, for your courage and honesty. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, I, I hope that, and I'm certain, there are many more Caminos to walk. There are many more long and exciting journeys ahead, not only walking with your prosthetic leg, your good leg, your missing arm, your good arm, but more than anything, there are many, many journeys ahead carrying your beautiful family with you. And as our Camino family, we say to you, Buen Camino. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. My guest this week, the British pilgrim, Caroline Rutley-Frayne. Thanks for your company as always. The sunshine is coming, I know it. The Spanish have a saying, soli sombra, light and shade. Without sun, there is no shade. As Dolly Parton said, the way I see it, if you want the rainbow, you've got to put up with the rain. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way,